You're listening to Sales Secrets with Gabe Larson. In this episode, Gabe Larson talks about the nuts and bolts of getting your process right, top to bottom. Okay, today I wanted to um, go through a webinar that I did on how to optimize your sales process top to bottom. A lot of organizations struggle, you guys, really trying to get the nuts and bolts down. Um, I'm not talking about just having a nice process. I'm talking about like getting into the details of how you think about you organizing your campaign structure so you can report effectively or getting your lead statuses right so that you've got gateways to move people through your prospecting pipeline or your deal stages so you can move people through your deal stage pipeline. Um, these are the nuts and bolts. Nobody likes to talk about them because it's details and we're executives and executives don't like details and blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to at least go through and at least paint a picture for you. If your organization is not getting into this type of detail, you're totally going to miss when it comes to really figuring out what's working and not what's working. So um, give it a hear. I think you'll like some of it. And I'm going to turn it over to myself to go through how to optimize your sales process top to bottom. This might be a little different than normal. Um, a lot of people have kind of written me and said, Gabe, we love some of the tactical talk on um, on sales. But if you take a step back, a lot of us don't have kind of a nice structure for our, our kind of marketing, sales, BD environment. Can you walk us through how you think about setting up a good structure? So today... We may not get into as much tactics, but I want to. I want you to envision a good sales process, um, kind of top to bottom, and I want you to ask questions about where you feel like your company is getting lost. So let's dive into it, Eric. Thanks for joining. Um, this is kind of the way I'm thinking about it. Um, in the chat box, tell me right now your sales process, and I'm talking about marketing all the way to close, um, scale of one to ten. How good is it? One being terrible, 10 being awesome. How good is your sales process top to bottom? Um, a two, Adam's got a three, David's got a five, Tyler's a seven. Really, you got fours? Okay, there's some eights. Okay, we got some eights in there. Most of you think it's average. Three, Aria, I know, man. Three is not great. 10. Janae, maybe it's Janie. Janie, you should be doing this presentation if you're at a 10 probably. I wouldn't call ours at a 10 either. Um, I, I'm not going to tell you what I think ours are. I think there's always room to iterate. Here's how I think about it though. And again, if you're in sales ops, if you're in marketing ops, if you're running a sales team, this is a great way to just think about it. it at a high level, some of this might get a little technical, but at a high level, in order to win, number one, you got to understand your goals. What are you ultimately trying to hit? I hate, 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 hate when people pull me in a room and they walk me through a process without talking to me about kind of big picture. So number one, know where you're going after. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Then you've got these three elements. Number one, you need to just lay a foundation. There's some basic things to get in place. I'm going to give you a couple examples today. Um, that I think really just set the stage for you to win. With those foundational elements defined, now you need to map your entire process. I've done literally hundreds of companies um, consulting, and I think I've run into maybe out of 100, maybe two that could show me a good process map beginning to end. You got to get there. Then last but not least, 
then you move into governance. And governance has some reporting elements. It has some enablement elements. I want to get into some of those enablement elements. I think there'll be awesome templates for you guys to grab from me because it's one that process is moving, how do I enable my reps to actually run through it? Um, and I think some of those will be great. For you. So that's high level, how you should be thinking about optimizing that process top to bottom. Let's start to go into a couple of the details. So I mentioned this before, and I've just thrown some high level things in here. I want people to show me this first and foremost. Talk to me about big picture. What's your ACV goal? How many marketing contacts you know, do you think you need to hit in order to target that? That might be inbound or outbound. Next, I want to know what is your SQO or your stage two? What's that middle part of the funnel that you think you need to go after? If you have a BD team, I like to look at BD leaders right in the eye. And I like to tell them, look, um, how many for the whole year SQOs do you need to get and then break it down by month for me? You got to know that. You got to know that. Great question, Christopher. Christopher just said, what's ACV? That's your sales goal. That's your annual contract value. So you take it and you back up and you say, great, um, this year, Gabe, I want to hit 25 million or I needed to hit, you know, 5 billion or whatever that kind of annual goal of sales you're trying to get. Then you may have some sort of budget that's associated with that. That might be more of a marketing budget, might be a shared. I like that overall picture. And then you'll notice on the left-hand side, I went ahead and just broke that down and gave you you know, by segment. Okay. If, if this is the overall, what, what is our enterprise market look like? What is our emerging? What is our immediate? Now, one thing I've mentioned in here is big pet peeve. If you know your overall number and you can't break it down by marketing and sales, I think you're at a miss. I've had a lot of conversations lately with people about this point. Well, I know that marketing is supposed to attribute, you know, 40% of the pipeline. Cool. That means sales is supposed to get 60 what does sales, you know, ultimately, how does sales break that down? And again, stage twos or SQOs can be a very important part of that. So I put enterprise emerging and then EMEA, Christopher EMEA there is like an, a European business as, as an example. So guys, this is just the table stakes. Know your numbers and break them down if you can as, you know, get, give me, don't just tell me you have to hit 100 million for your segment. Tell me that you know that that 100 million translates into this many SQOs and this SQO translates into this many marketing contacts. Now we can have a conversation, okay? Now we know our goals. Um, yeah, Jeff, don't you, I just feel like, Jeff just kind of said, Gabe, thank you for mentioning, you got to break it down. Um, it's just such a mess. And, and it's two parts, Jeff. It's breaking it down for marketing and sales. I like to go into a meeting, my weekly sales and marketing alignment, and I like to know as an example that total, we're trying to hit 2,000 opportunities. I'm trying to hit 40% of those, and sales is trying to hit 60% of those. Like, how are we working together to hit the goal? Um, cool. I think I, believe, I think I beat that one to <laughs> – Jeff, did I beat that one to a freaking pull? Um, let's move on and let's go into process on this one. So a couple things on process you want to do. Um, I'm a big believer in serious decisions. It is a framework to have a conversation. I don't care if you you take this and you make it your own. Uh, I'm going to kind of show you how we've done it. I don't care if you use the old demand waterfall. So those of you who don't know serious, getting a couple of questions on that. These guys are expert in sales and marketing optimization. Great consulting and analyst firm. 
They've really defined, if you've ever heard the word SAL or MQL or SQO, um, those are all terms that this analyst and research team kind of put together as they architected top to bottom how you should be thinking about your waterfall. Your waterfall is your pipeline. Um, the old days, they called it the demand waterfall. It kind of reemerged with a re-architected demand waterfall because you had business development or sales development reps um, kind of emerge, so they re-architected it. They just put out a new version called the demand unit waterfall. Um, that waterfall is uh, based on more of an ABM type strategy. We're not quite there yet. We're more in the re-architected. Uh, audience question here. Are you using are you using or do you know about serious? Well, let's just go. Are you using? Are you using the serious decision framework in your thinking? Um, Samuel says no. Denise, yes. Tyler, yes. <laughs> Michael gave me a capital. No, I don't know if that means you're mad, Michael. <laughs> um, Ted gave me the nope. So most people know, kind of. Guys, this is something I'm going to challenge you on. Um, it's hard to have great conversations if you don't have a framework. Um, Philip, yes. I, guys, I want you to have this deck. Um, and there's some templates in here. And again, I'm always offended if you don't grab me on LinkedIn and start asking questions or ask for these templates. We've designed the whole thing for us, but doesn't mean you can't take what I've done and make it your own um, because we all got to start there. I've been hours on the phone with serious decisions. So consider this, they probably don't want to hear this, but consider this free consulting from serious decisions. Anyways, we're right here. Here's our demand waterfall. And I want you to, I want to walk you through it um, because we had to make it our own based on our own model. Um, at the very top, um, and guys, this is just, it's a framework and you got to start with the framework. So at the very top, there's money. Money dumps into campaigns and then campaigns produce crap. Um, hopefully, hopefully good crap, not bad crap. Um, when that starts to kind of flow through, there's three tiers at inside sales that you kind of you fall into. Number one is you're going to have inbound campaigns that generate an inquiry, and that's just a lead. That lead hopefully then becomes a marketing qualified lead because it hits certain thresholds. Um, that could happen in, in one instance. We also have outbound campaigns. These are business development generated kind of campaigns. So any lead that's created from an outbound initiative, we stamp it with something called a BGL. It's a business development generated lead. Um, both of those end up being accepted by the business development rep and the business development rep then works that and then stamp something that they qualify. We stamp that as a BQL. It's a business qualified lead, okay? Hopefully I'm not losing you. We just have marketing actions and we have BD actions, but you can see that there's these different stamps. There are these different steps in the process that I can track to know what the what is going on in my funnel, okay? Once that BDR qualifies something, he tosses it over to the sales team and the sales team accepts that and continues working it. If they accept it, we call that an SQO, a sales qualified opportunity. And ultimately, they then push that opportunity to close. We do have something in here called sales generated leads. And again, those are just leads that sales works and creates on their own. 
but this is a high level funnel that I can track top to bottom. Um, and it's, it's just a great way to have real conversations with my sales team, with my marketing, to, with my ops team. Let me just click into it a little bit more because a couple of you are lighting me up on questions. What does BGL mean? What does IMQL mean? This is basically how it works. And guys, I'm going tactical for a minute. So if I get too tactical, just tell me. But I want you to get this because guys, without the process, you cannot hit your numbers. Um, it's just, oh, it's so, so important. So inquiry to MQL. I won't bore you, but I'm going to give you a couple pieces here, okay? Um, a lead enters the system via web form. What happens then is the marketing system picks that up, it scores it, and routes it to a BD. It will not go through that process if it doesn't meet certain criteria. Then I've gone ahead and I've put an SLA in place. That should all happen in under 10 minutes. And our target conversion, based on serious decisions, is at 34% inquiry to MQL. Okay? Um, let's go to the next one. You take marketing qualified or business generated leads and you've got to have um, the business development team accept that. You've got to move those into the BD team. How many of you, Mary just did this, um, um, how many of you have a business development, sales development, account development team? Just give me a yes or no here real quick, just so I can kind of see. Yes, you have it. No, yes, Daniel used to. Oh, Tyler, you used to, but you got rid of it. Oh, I'd be interested to hear, Tyler, why you got rid of it. No, yes. Okay. So it looks like the majority do have a business development team. Again, if you didn't, um, you would, um, it, it's, it's still a fairly similar process, guys. Instead of kind of business accepted, you'd probably go with sales accepted. I could walk you through some of that. Um, there was a couple other questions before that. Let me just get to them. So Jeff, you said, but you have to have marketing and sales and alignment and scoring those leads and how they enter the system. So yes, 100%, Jeff. That's kind of that whole marketing scoring process. And I will show you that in just a minute. Got a template that you might want to consider if you feel like your team sucks at that. Um, uh, Philip, I'm not understanding the question here where you said, will duplicate not affect these numbers? Give me one more click on that, Philip, just so I can understand it. Um, so real quick on this part of the process, I now take a business development generated lead or I take a marketing qualified lead and I literally hand those over to a business development rep to start working. Um, and again, I want to stamp on that. So you basically see my criteria here, what happens in that action. I want the rep to start working it. And then there's a few ways for it to exit that part of the process, right? Um, yeah, great question. So a couple of you are asking, how are you determining conversion rates from different steps in the process? I'm literally stealing from serious decision on these, Edward. They have a benchmarking system. So you see that at the bottom, 85% is given from them, and that's kind of our target on that. Um, um, okay, Tyler, good question. The, the executive team felt like it was more beneficial. Oh, you're saying why you eliminated. So Tyler, this is an interesting debate, you guys. Tyler just said they've eliminated their business development team um, because the executive team felt like it was more beneficial for the account managers to do prospecting in their accounts versus handoff from business development team. There's totally two lines of thinking here, Tyler. I'm not a fan of that. I'll just tell you right now. 
I'm a believer if you don't have a business development team, you should, unless your ACV, your average contract value is transactional in nature. I put transactional in nature typically under about 10 to 15K. That's so transactional. It's like, look, just have the sales rep do it. If you're closing deals that are 50K plus, you definitely want a business development team there. It just adds a different element. Tyler, we could talk more offline on that. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, totally, Tyler, anytime. Um, so, notice down below, I put some SLAs. I'm going to hire, I'm going to put some, I want you guys to take these SLAs and I want you to walk them. I got a one sheeter for you. I want them walk them to your sales or your marketing team to see where you guys are. SLAs make this process real and so does reporting, but we'll cover that in just a couple minutes. So notice down there, if I give an MQL, a marketing lead to somebody, I expect them to respond quickly to it and I expect them to hit it, contact it at least six times in 10 days. And you you darn well better believe I have reports on that because if those SLAs aren't followed, I've got escalation process in there to make sure they do. <laughs> again, I'm not trying to be a punk. It's just the way the world works. I My wife holds me accountable when I say I'm going to clean the clean the car. I'm holding my sales team accountable when I give them a lead, right? I mean, that's just the world. That's just the world we live in. Okay. Last, um, not last piece. I don't want to go too deep in this. Um, um, Denise, your SLA is as simple as this. Awesome. We hired a consultant. She wants us to have a 15 pager project. Fell right on its face. Oh, Denise. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you said that. Thank you. So guys, when it comes to SLAs, um, I get it. Um, I've done that same thing, Denise. Um, my first version a handful of years ago, I, I had this huge old write up, um, nonsensical. I I've opted just to go with SLAs that are numbers driven. Um, look, you can write an SLA and say sales agrees to meet with marketing once a week have a sales and marketing alignment meeting and they both agree to get along in that meeting. Sure. 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 Like it's okay. Um, I just brass tacks. I think it's about numbers. So that's where I've gone, but certainly a 30 page document is fun. If you want to write that. <laughs> okay. Let's finish this part of the process. Um, so a BDR takes that lead and then they take that, they contact it and then they try to qualify it. That's basically what you're seeing here. So they're going to take a lead and they're going to start um, reaching out to them and calling them. Um, ultimately, there needs to be some sort of qualification process that they follow. And I'm going to give you a template on that that I believe you should be thinking about. And ultimately, at the end of this, the BDR is either going to you know, disqualify this or they're going to hand it to the account executive. And the account executive is going to take a business development qualified lead and they are going to then hold a meeting to see if they can put it in their pipeline. Notice I put um, a couple SLAs in here, um, and I'm gonna highlight some more of these SLAs in just a minute. Let's get to a couple of these questions here. Um, Jeff said, but what I'm also noting is that marketing and sales have to be in agreement at this point of the process also. What does marketing and sales define as an MQL, SQL, BAL, SLAs, point of handoff? What goes back into the system for nurturing? Jeff, 100%. Um, so what you're not seeing behind this, and maybe I'll include it in the deck later, is that every one of these have a definition that is agreed to. Um, and, and I'm now going over some of the SLAs. 
we just had another offsite yesterday with my team. It was very timely when the whole sale, the whole revenue team, all of the sales leaders, all of the marketing, all of the business leaders, we just got back in a room and went all over the definition, every stage gate, every SLA, and everybody signed their name in blood. If you've not had that kind of come, um, oh, that, that meeting together, um, you need to. And Jeff's right, get all on the same page. Couple other questions uh, here. How are leads distributed, asked uh, Nelson. What's the process, merit-based or round robin? Great question. The way we wrap, um, we're more of an account-based motion, Nelson. So anytime a lead comes in, if it MQLs, it immediately goes to the business development rep who owns that account with the account executive. So if a lead comes in from Dell and my rep in Texas owns Dell, that lead automatically is transferred to those two so they can start working. It's an account-based motion on that. That's one way to do it, Nelson. In the old days, we used to do it based on a prioritization model. So we would basically put leads in, um, hand them to somebody, and we had a team that just worked inbound leads. You had 10 minutes to handle that lead. If you didn't get it, um, and that lead should hit a certain threshold, that lead then automatically moved over to another rep. That would be more of an inbound kind of approach to that. Cool, hopefully that's helpful. Um, Megan, we have our BDR set, the soft intro appointment, and then hand off the discovery call, hand off after the discovery call. If it gets rejected, you put them back into nurture with the marketing team. Woo, okay, you're opening up a can here, Megan, but it's a can we wanna eat, so let's dive into it real quick. Um, Here's best practice on BDRs. Um, do not have BDRs get paid um, on setting an appointment. Um, they should not end there. That is not best practice. They should also not be paid and be working with account executives until the deal is closed. That is also not best practice. Now, there are times when those are right. Um, if you want to know the exceptions to what I'm saying, call me. I'll discuss and debate it with you. Um, what most people should be is on an appointment that holds and the rep accepts into their pipeline. We call it a stage two or a sales qualified opportunity. So Megan, to your point, what ideally should happen, <clears throat> and I, I got to jump down here, Megan, because this is such a, um, you, 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 you asked, I'm, I got I to give it to you here now. Um, here it is right here. <clears throat> um, what, what I want my reps to do, and, and Megan, I hope you're catching this because this is, I'm going into a rat hole just for you. My reps <clears throat> need to get on the phone or on email and get this information right here. All of that information needs to be gathered by the business development rep. When they get that, um, that information, <clears throat> they should then flip in the conversation and say, hey, Mr. Prospect, Thank you for this information. We've helped companies just like you double their pipeline with our sales technology. Um, talk to them just a little bit about that and then say, would you be interested to meet with my account executive and talk more about how we can do the same for you? That right there, you guys, is, is goodness. I've gotten authority, the right person. I've talked to them about a great big pain, a big challenge. I've identified that challenge. I've identified use cases. Um, then they've committed to a 30-minute meeting. Guys, there's a there there. That meeting is accepted by the account executive, and it should probably be a state, it should be an opportunity 
at this point. You should flip it from a contact to an opportunity. Now, a rep is sitting with this beautiful opportunity, Megan, that you've just given to them. Pain, authority, need, commitment. Now the rep takes that discovery call, validates some of that information, and they better, your company better, this is one of the enablement things, I've got it right here, they better have a discovery call process. Um, they, they, they need to get real, real tight on that discovery call or your business development reps get toasted. Um, so they run that discovery call and at the end of that call, they need to make sure they get next steps. If next steps are committed to, ideally in a week or two, maximum should be a month that 45 days is too long you should get a thumbs up or a thumbs down on if the ae is going to put that into their pipe if they say yes megan you pay your bdr if they don't um there's a couple things you can do one you kill the opportunity and you start over two maybe it stays in stage one and that bdr needs to try to get some more information and reset the appointment those are your three options megan i think that's really important wow that was a rat that was a rabbit hole i hope that was helpful <laughs> um guys questions on that what did what did i miss tiffany's hitting me and saying your bdrs don't ask money don't ask about budget at all here's the difference um guys there's a couple models of qualification um you can go look at topo research for this i'm going to give you three of them right now bant budget authority need and timing Anum, authority, need, urgency, and money. And then just and, which is authority and need. <clears throat> you wanna build, Tiffany, your qualification questions around one of those models. In my space, money does not work. And here's why. Um, our space is new. How many of you have a sales engagement platform like insidesales.com? Um, a lot of people don't know what that industry is yet. It's not like CRM that's been around hundreds of years. So I have to have my business development reps get on the phone, Tiffany. I have to have them find the right person. I have to have them really understand the need. And then we, as salespeople, have to create the urgency. And, and when that urgency comes, money appears. When you're in a space that is not identified or a new space, I'm telling you right now, you cannot ask for money and you cannot ask for urgency. You have to create those. Holy cow. I just went on a super, super tangent. Okay. Um, guys, hopefully that, that's helped. Tiffany, was that helpful? Um, yeah, good. Good, good, good. Okay, Jeff. Um, yeah, totally agree, Jeff. Okay, guys, I, I've taken a long time on this. You want to have a structure to walk through each of those stage gates and some of your SLAs. I think we've hit it. We'll dive into a little more detail. Our time's running short. This one's going to bore a lot of you there needs to be a way to report on everything in your system. We call it campaign structure. So literally think of if I do an outbound direct mailer or I do a webinar, when I do it, who it was targeted at. If you're not thinking about how that's being stamped in your CRM, you're totally off the, the, the reservation here. So I don't wanna dive into it. You need a campaign structure because it, it sets up your reporting a little bit later. Here's kind of a couple quick thoughts on lead scoring. We talked a little bit about this. Know that this is a Marketo score I'm highlighting here. If you wanna take scoring up to the next level, you'd use a predictive score, something like Insight. We, we do offer a predictive score with some of our technology, but at the base level, you should have some version 
of a marketing qualified score. And I'm giving you just a little bit of an insight in how that may look there. Another key process, and I know I'm getting tactical, your lead statuses, you guys, and your deal stages. I'm just gonna flash the lead statuses. I've got a whole workbook on deal stages, what they mean, how you move from stage to stage. But if you don't have your statuses and your stages in order, you will not be able to stamp things and then mark your prospecting pipeline, which is where BDs typically work, and then your pipeline, which is where your sales reps work. Don't pass over those. Define them, define what they do, make sure they're in the system and that people are using statuses and stages. One of the things you'll need to tack on with your statuses is nurture tracks. Let me just give you a quick example. So if I'm at Inside Sales and I do something, um, I put lead status rejected, immediately what happens is a little box pops up that says disposition. Why? Why are you rejecting it? Or nurture. I put status as nurture. A little box pops up that says, why are you nurturing? Well, I just talked to someone and they're using the competition. Perfect. Put that disposition as nurture. And then what happens is that person is automatically enrolled in a nurture campaign all about how InsideSales.com is better than you know competition XYZ. Those lead statuses and nurture tracks become fundamental into your overall structure. Okay, guys, those are some of the foundational elements of a good process. And I didn't want to go into the detail, but I want you to know that they should exist and hopefully they're there. Now, with those foundational elements, you need to have a high level process map that kind of shows how things move through those different gates. And ideally you'd have something like this, the whole kit and caboodle. I mean, the whole detail, I got all my campaigns, how they roll up here, everything that goes inbound flows here. And it's, it's got some extreme depth. Um, this just kind of takes the conversation to a whole nother level. You as sales leaders may not need this, but boy, sales ops, marketing ops, you better, you better have this. Ooh, I'm missing some questions over here. Um, this is about research part of the marketing. Oh, great question from Sung, Sung Lee here. She said, do you find it better to have business development resources part of your marketing or your sales department? Ooh, those are fighting words, Sung. Um, the short on that is most of the research out there says it's, it's 60, 30, 10. Most companies have business development reporting into sales. That would be 30-ish, a little less actually, more like 23, 25, report into marketing and 10%-ish are into other departments. Here's the rule of thumb for you, Sung, real quick. If you are going outbound and you have an enterprise motion, you're going whale hunting, you will want your sales development to typically report into your sales team. If you run a transactional high velocity model where everybody in the sales team is being fed off inbound leads, it's more optimal often to have that team reporting into marketing. One overarching theme, nobody knows how to run a business development team. Um, and here's the reason why, it's just newer. You have a lot of field sales people who've grown up in sales, they have no idea what business development should look like. You have a bunch of CMOs, who are true brand marketers. They just don't understand kind of what's going on in business development. So it's sometimes gets dicey. If you have somebody who's got a passion for business development, who's got a passion for revenue and that type of stuff, 
that should probably trump everything because you're going to need an analytical mindset to be numbers focused, but also bring in some campaign and marketing. It's an odd leadership role, um, but that's kind of the, the rule of thumb on that. Okay, guys, lastly on the governance, and then I'll let you get back to your day job. Some of you already jumping. Know that if you got to jump, I understand. Guys, our questions have kind of dropped. What happened? Did I get boring? Tiffany, did I get boring? Jeff? I mean, come on. What's, what's going on here? Uh, <laughs> um, must be talking to myself again. Um, here's the last piece on governance, you guys. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks for at least responding. Um, so here's that SLA. Here's that one sheet. Or again, you'll have it in the deck. Um, I can't remember who asked it, but this is the sum. <laughs> this is the... Um, now I'm getting... Am I one to 10 scale here, guys? Am I boring? The, Jeff is posing the question here. Um, now we're going to ask the whole group, Jeff. You, you made it happen. If you don't like Jeff, 10, what's the, what's the scale? So one is, um, how, how would we word the scale? We'd say one is boring, 10 is not boring. Um, Chris says 11. <laughs> there you see, there you go, Jeff. See, I got a 15 from Philip. So just, if I could uninvite you, Jeff, I'd kick you off right here. Anyway, on TV. Um, here's your SLA document, you guys. Um, grab it, snapshot it. This is that simplified version. Whoever, I know you can write 50 pages. I just want stage gate by stage gate. Anything that has a number, I throw that crap in there. Um, I got a 9.9 .9 from Samuel. Uh, we got to talk about that. Here's some reporting. Again, everything's around that overall framework. The framework gives me a common language. I can talk through it, right? MQL, what are the reports I need in my MQL bucket? What are the reports I need in my BAL bucket? What are the reports I need in my, my um, business qualified? All of these things you can see tie back to that overall framework. So again, find yourself a framework, find yourself that common language. Lastly, guys, this is the money. I should have started with this. These are some of the enablement documents that allow people to follow this structure. We call this the first call sequence enablement doc. This is the doc that I, I, I literally, when I listen to phone calls of the business development reps, I, I score them on it and I score them using this document. You need to have a call structure document. We call it our first call sequence. Okay, how do you set appointments? This takes your SLA on setting appointments for business development reps. This is particularly for business and exactly what they should do. You cannot set an appointment unless it does this. Once you set an appointment, you send an email, you, um, you, know, you put notes in Salesforce. So this kind of gets into your SLA kind of double. It's not SLA though. This is just coaching and enablement of how people should freaking do their job. Um, I like to score. This one's going to be confusing for a lot of people. I like to score. Um, oh man, I got a lot of questions here. Um, I didn't see that. Some Sung's got another question. Nelson, interesting personalization. Do you track decision makers for job changes? Um, Nelson, I'm going to get to that in just a minute. So one of the things on the screen you'll see here, it might be a little confusing. Anything that is passed from a business development rep to an account executive should be scored. Um, this is a new trend, you guys. Most of you are probably scratching your head. Um, 20, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, there's this big debate between marketing and sales, right? I'm generating leads and I'm sending them over to sales. Um, and there was a debate on quality and quantity and everything. How did they solve it? They didn't solve it 100%, but they put a score in there. We've talked about it to a marketing qualified score. 
it was a gate that both sales and marketing agreed on. If someone meets a minimum threshold, I should now go ahead and pass that or move it to the next gate. You're seeing that happen more and more companies between business development and sales. I have this qualified opportunity, I believe. I've literally filled out different fields and I have a score. If the score meets a certain threshold, I pass it over to sales. Um, yeah, Tiffany, this is, I, I can't say hundreds of companies are doing this, but know that there's a groundswell. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a company pops up that just provides this, but um, business development scored opportunities, it's a thing. If you're not doing it, at least think about it. Last but not least, I mentioned that stage two criteria, you know, how are we defining um, something that does or doesn't kind of move into people's pipeline. This is not necessarily an SLA. This is just conversation to make things move forward in a structured manner. So, um, oh, and then the discovery call. Oh, guys, these are these are priceless documents. You you have to have. Um, if you run a business, if you have a business development team and you're passing off these opportunities to sales, and sales doesn't have this discovery call best practice document and people aren't scoring them on it, oh, um, I'd hate to be on that business development team because my compensation is based on something that I have no control of and there's no, there's just no, no structure around it. Sad, sad, but it's the life that we often live. So, okay. Um, okay, guys, that's kind of a wrap. Throw some more questions in here. Um, I know that was a little different. Again, we weren't getting into the tactics. I wanted to go structure. Um, I wanted you to get big picture, see some of these templates, because again, you can make all the cold calls you want, but if you don't have a way to capture if it's working or not working, doesn't matter. You can be sending emails and spamming people, but if you don't know what campaign's working and you're not moving people through lead statuses, it just doesn't matter. So boy, you've got to get the basics down. And I wanted to just open up the kimono, show you some of the stuff I do, we do, and see if that's helpful. So um, I'll let you jump if you need to. I'm going to answer a couple of these questions. Yes, you'll get the recording. Yes, you're going to add me on LinkedIn. Yes, we're going to continue. <laughs> yes, we're going to continue the conversation. A um, couple of questions before I jump here. Nelson said, you know, do you guys track decision makers or job changes? One of the campaigns we run. Nelson, if you've got a better way to do this, this is so tough. Job changes, it's, it's money. It is a money campaign. The problem is it's not that easy to really track and report on. Um, so we've got a way in sales nav. We've got a list structured. Every month we look at those job changes and, um, you know, we ultimately kind of run a little campaign for those. Um, it's not the campaign, but it's something we just try to do every month. And it it's, makes a huge difference because those are hot prospects. Let's see. Jeff. Oh, now Jeff's back. Okay, I see what's going on. Now he wants to ask questions. Um, do we use HubSpot, Janae? No, no, no. We're, not, we're a Salesforce shop um, um, and our product only works with our like, sales engagement and scoring tool. Um, does not work with HubSpot, by the way. It works with Salesforce, Microsoft, SAP, um, and a couple others. Jeff, um, and you need to know where you're spending dollars in any campaign. So yeah, Really finding your campaign ROI is going to come from that campaign structure part. So if you don't have campaign structure, you will not be able to really get down to how much does it cost for a MQL, SQO, things like that. Um, I worked with my VP of marketing to finally agree that what marketing to get their kudos wasn't the quantity, wasn't conversations, it was actual close opportunities. 
This way they are working side by side with sales. Jeff, that's an interesting debate. Um, you know, how do you compensate, how do you compensate like marketing and business development? Um, I don't know if there's an absolute right or wrong here. Um, there are some psychological principles you might want to consider. You know, it is, um, it's hard to pay someone when they don't have control of anything. Um, so for example, a knock on paying business development reps on closed deals is, you know, most of the time they stop and they really can't do anything in stages, you know, three, four, and five. And so to pay somebody on something that someone else owns is a little odd. So um, Jeff, I, I don't know if I have a perfect answer for you. Um, usually in marketing, I like to see something where marketing people, you know, the, the, the execution people, they're paid more on like um, business objectives or hitting certain milestones, like getting MQLs or something that they have direct control over. Um, as you boil it up, I like to see their leadership team be paid on, you know, more company metrics, revenue or pipe. That's maybe a safe way to kind of start thinking about it. Um, to Adam, are there smaller scale versions of these models for a company that combines BD and AA? Yes, there is, Adam. So, again, I think you can come up with one on your own. But if you go back to kind of my slide where I talked about serious decisions, maybe start Googling that. Um, and Adam, I'm going to show it here for you. I'm just going to pop back. If you remember, they kind of had um, this model on the left, the far left, is a non-BDR model, right? So it is uh, marketing to sales, and then sales kind of runs it through. So you could adopt kind of their simpler version, or you kind of make your own. Um, Indigo, how do you adjust your BDR message and cadences for persona-based campaign leads? Great question. We didn't really get into that too much. Um, that kind of falls up here on how we run marketing strategies. I, I'd pull it up right now, but our motto is kind of a threefold motto um, uh, Indigo. So we kind of have our ABM account strategy which is ultra personalized. Um, and what I mean ultra personalized, we typically personalize on the individual. Um, and we go after bigger accounts with that. Our mid tier, we call personalized play campaigns. And um, those are mostly what BDRs run. They're mostly personalized, not on the individual, but they're mostly personalized on the company or on the industry. Um, we'll also inject a little bit of humor in there. Um, and yeah, we won't get into that. So that, that's kind of that maybe. Bottom rung is kind of our one-to-many strategy. That would be just kind of our big picture digital strategy. Um, that, that's almost more of your quote-unquote spray and pray where we try to hit the market. And we will try to use, again, more like um, industry um, personalization there. So we'll track tech industry problems, kind of like we we're talking about today. Like how do marketing ops and sales ops, you know, tackle their process? This would be more like a digital play there. Um, so again, ABM ultra personalized, personalized plays that more go on the industry or company and then digital, which is more industry. That's kind of how we start to think about it. I actually have a presentation to go on what I call the personalization ladder um, that really is important for people to wrap their minds around because personalization is everything now. So the question is, how do you start to personalize? You've got referrals up top. Um, and then you start to move down. We've got some data that says people personalizing on the people is pretty powerful. You've got 
company, you got industry, and you got these different rungs you can use to personalize. It's a great kind of thing to have in your back pocket. I can't remember all of it off, <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, but if you want to hit me up on LinkedIn, I'd be happy to do it too. Okay, guys, what else we got? Oh man, we're way past time. Let's see if we can't wrap. I got to get back to work. I got to finish building these documents for my team. Uh, hopefully it's helpful. Again, know a little bit different. Get the process down, get your structure. And I promise it'll make your life so much easier because sales is not about gut. It's not about being subjective. It's about being objective. All right, everybody. Happy prospecting. Have a fantastic day. To learn more about creating a sales process for your team and many other sales topics, check out InsideSales.com's blog. Go to InsideSales.com forward slash blog. Again, that's InsideSales.com forward slash blog. And thank you for listening to Sales Secrets with Gabe Larson.